Welcome to Rewriting the Rules, the show about women leaders in Asia. My name is Ritu Mehrish and I interview successful women leaders across Asia to discover how they are rewriting the rules of life, career and relationships. From them we'll get practical and actionable tips that we can use to accelerate our own career journeys. Don't worry about writing them all down because I will summarize them towards the end. We will also link the entire transcript in the show notes. Welcome to the show and um it's really nice to have you here and thanks for taking the time out. So I'm going to start by formally introducing you Zalina Jamaluddin, Vice President Low Carbon Ventures at Hibiscus Petroleum Berhad in Malaysia. And um Zalina leads a team to uh, drive low carbon venture efforts from decarbonizing the current uh, operating oil and gas assets to then finding new green business opportunities. So welcome on the show. Thank you, Ritu. It's a pleasure with all the important things uh, you do in the work with the leadership and coaching and the women leaders. Uh, I I really thrilled to be part of this. Oh, that's lovely. That that makes two of us. Okay, great. So, Zelina, I I want to start by something fun. You know, you are doing this role, which is so big, so important. Did you always want to be here? Okay. Do I even know whether I'm going to be here? No, definitely not. No one can plan their 20-year career. Mm. So no. And and the thing the funny thing is when I first started, I was an ExxonMobil scholar. Um wow. I thought at that time, you know, at the young age of 19 uh, when I received the scholarship and I had to work in Exxon for 5 years. Mm. I thought I would retire in Exxon. At wow. that, that point, right? I, I knew that I wanted a leadership role, but I thought, hmm. this is it. I'm going to start. I'm going to retire next on. So never. And you would never also see the evolution, the oil and gas and the energy industry has come, yeah. right? Uh, it was low carbon energy transition was never in the picture unless the, uh, until, in, until the last five years, I would say it, right. it caught up. What happened after ExxonMobil, that scholarship and the first four or five years? I actually um, served and actually went through the whole career in Exxon for a good 11 years and in multiple roles wow. and in the technical roles and also in uh, leadership role. And um, after that, so this is where the, the, the twist starts. I want to be in a think tank in a hmm. government's role. And uh, that time in 2011, there was an economic transformation program from the prime minister's office. And I... Applied and I got in. Yeah. Okay. And just for context, we are talking here Malaysia, right? So this is you working in the government office in Malaysia. Yes. Then what? What did you do there? Because this is so interesting. Yeah. So um, it was supposed to be a transformation program for the whole nation in different sectors, different economic. Uh, they call it national key economic areas, and hmm. oil and gas was one of them. Uh, and you know, I joined the oil and gas sector naturally. Hmm. And what we did is we uh, we strategized and we picked the key uh, projects that can propel the country and really grasp the strength and the opportunities that present ourselves and to make a, a oil and gas services hub. Uh, hmm. That was the intent. So I worked with the industry players. I worked with the government you know, agencies and stakeholders and uh, also uh academic institutions to then formulate what are the strategies and we work with the government to government um 
uh, you know, relationship, um, mm. you know, with the Norwegian, the UK, and uh, in fact, the American to, to see how best can we position Malaysia as the oil and gas services hub. So it was it's very different from a technical role yeah. to strategic and I would say international relations role yeah. and policies. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it was quite grounded because we were looking at projects. So at that point, it was useful. And where my value comes in is, yeah, I understand the technical part of it compared to the, yeah. the normal public civil servants, right? So that, that right. helps. And the, just working with the team and the different team, that was, I would say, the most fun part of my career. Wow. Was it difficult to work um, in the government sector? That's one. And secondly, was it difficult? Because I would, in my head, think oil and gas is a very male-dominated sector. So was that even an issue for you? That's an interesting question because I didn't realize that was an issue mm. because mm. I I think being an Exxon, uh, there were a lot of ladies around and, you know, um, even I was in Malaysia, it was very, I would say, Americanized culture. Yeah. <laughs> and it was quite, you know, level playing field, I felt. Mm. And then when I got out and I saw the difference uh, and I didn't see it until somebody actually asked me. So I was the only lady, actually. I was the VP of the Office mm. Services when at, at that time. Uh, yeah. He actually asked me, uh, I, I went with my boss, right, the executive mm. director, and then he asked me, oh, are you the the PA of the executive director or special mm. officer? And I said, uh, no, I am not. I'm the VP of <laughs> this department. And, um, you know, I have done, and I, I and I think having the, technical competency previously yeah. and good solid foundation I actually said okay I've done reservoir I've done planning I've done gas and all this you know all the technical jargons and he was taken aback but I I did it in a I guess I, I at that point I didn't really see it so I didn't really take offense I just explained yeah. to him so he took it and he I think he I managed to gain respect <laughs> after that since then from people so I realized um and that was the turning point for me. Uh, I was a little bit aware and conscious of mm. people's perception. Mm. Uh, you know, sometimes ignorance is a bliss. I think that yeah. was my case. And I actually then had a, I would say, a toolkit of standard answers, FAQs, mm. when people ask me. And I have it just made it summarized. So that helps yeah. a lot. Uh, and I think working with the government agents, actually, uh, it changed my perception also. I had always thought that uh, it will be difficult for me to, to, to transition, but it's not because um, what I find is that a different government agencies, especially those that, that worked uh, front-facing with the international um, community, they are very mm. savvy, actually. Uh, our Ministry of Trade is very savvy, and, and I, mm. I was glad that that's, what, that's who we interface with. Right. And they, I've learned a lot from them as well. Very really good. Fun. No, I mean, it's so encouraging to hear. And I and I love this thing about, you know, that um, something that you said, that even though you didn't realize it, but the fact that you were technically so strong, uh, technically you knew your stuff, that kind of gave you that confidence that that it didn't even occur to you that probably you were the only, only woman. Or if somebody asked you a question, it didn't faze you, right? Like you were like, yeah, you know, this is what I do, Zelina. <laughs> Where did you go from there then? 
that at that time, uh, I went back to a, another Canadian company, actually, uh, Talisman Energy. And what was interesting is in Exxon, I've always been a technical person. And actually, um, they were grooming me for you know, operations, leadership, and going eventually mm. for other bigger roles. And at that point, I was so interested in commercial in Exxon. And they said, no, you have to at least complete a good 10-year technical um, ladder and technical mm. and operations ladder before you, you, know, you go for a broader generalist assignment, which is mm. a commercial role. And in Exxon, I didn't have the chance and opportunity to do so. Uh, and after... <laughs> Uh, when, after I joined Talisman, I actually asked for a commercial role. Uh, hmm. I was very specific in that, you know, and I said, I want this commercial model, um, commercial uh, advisor. When I joined them, um, you know, as always, salary negotiation, and I put my, you know, whatever I think my salary is going to be. Then my husband said, why don't you put, you know, additional 10%? And this, I think this is one of my other... Uh, lesson learned in life you mm. just ask if you don't get it you don't get it that's fine but if you get it it's a bonus yeah. so I put additional um, you know uh, salary increase and and they actually agreed to it yeah you know um, it's kind of very interesting because it's about the value we put on our work and we put on ourselves right um, yeah. and you know in your case that's what you thought but the fact that they they gave you that, that means they valued you that and much more. Uh, so that's, again, a point about, you know, as women leaders, sometimes maybe we hedge too much. Maybe we don't ask or we don't feel we our value as much as probably others perceive it to be, right? And it also starts with how you see your value and therefore then others will see it like that. And I want to hear your views, how important it is to have you know, whether it's your husband, your partner, um, you know, your family as as somebody who's who's an ally, who's who's really oh, yeah. constantly pushing you. I think that is one of the greatest enabler for me because you can't uh, if unless you're not married. Uh, yeah, it is. You just can't go um, without support from your partner. And in this case, uh, because both of us are engineers and both of us are in the energy industry, we understand what it takes to do mm. the work. We run our family like a business. <laughs> as well <laughs> we're both in Exxon and and we have the whole set in systems and I can tell you like my husband is the greatest support and greatest ally and and I said why why do you do this he said because you know we have daughter and I want our daughter yeah. to be um successful as you are and we have our sons and if you her sons marry get married uh, yeah. we want their spouse to be uh, successful and, and yeah. they have equal seat in the table at every part of our life at every part of our stage um, career uh, career phase we actually make a conscious decision we have uh, in fact every year we have a family um, I would say off-site management off-site to set the tone for everyone's um, you know the word for the year uh, what do you want to achieve for mm. the year uh, what, what's important for us what are the fam family values uh, sometimes I mean when I was uh, in Exxon I took a break I slowed down a, li a little because I wanted to spend time with my kids yeah uh, I took six months off you know no one knew knew that and it was fine and it was all about working with your boss uh, and then as I went into the government, the role was very different. Um, there's a lot of traveling, but it was not as intense as mm. in the oil and gas sector. So I let his career accelerate, right? Yeah. And then when I went back 
and we were trying to fit in uh, and in every part it needs to be yeah. discussed yeah that's such an important thing you said right like the need to have this support function the need to have this ecosystem around lena i i want to ask you you know have you as you look back what are one or two big risks that you took in your career i have mentioned the first one which was yeah. a jump to the government that was the first turning point because it showed me that i can actually do something different out of my um comfort zone so yeah and of course the second one which is where i met you uh, ritu was this uh, jump to the asia school of business which is a mm. business school uh, really that was uh, i would say a turning point and after my midlife crisis i would say and uh, at that point at the peak of my career in the energy industry i felt empty i felt there is something out there that i really wanted to try and i haven't which is about human you know talent mm. development and there was no way i can do that with technical and commercial background and i said what do i do what do i want to do i really want to go into this education uh, human capital development and somehow the opportunity presents itself there just by a sheer luck hmm. i had a coffee with my friend who is from harvard and she hmm. said hey you know i'm joining the school and uh they are very interesting is mit setting it up here in malaysia and, and would you like want um, to just have a chat with the dean i said yeah why not uh, and, and actually at that time i so important part here setting the intention and setting that radar mm. when the opportunity comes uh you feel that it's a coincidence but actually maybe it's meant to be i literally had to restart my career at the age yeah. of 35 so 30 plus mm. i would be lying if i said it was sure um, mm. because i had built a huge reputation in oil and gas and going to something that people don't know you and people yeah. you know and now i have to make friends with uh, the chros of the world and the people and the academicians and hmm. very very different but i was very clear on what i wanted to do actually what i wanted to learn is i wanted to uh, learn what kind of model that suits me i hmm. tried different different things and i'm happy that i tried that uh, yeah. i had a five year trial i, I would say it's a um, sabbatical but it's not really sabbatical but it's just a sandbox where i tried yeah. and up to that i realized oh actually there's you have to distill the part that you like hmm. and get rid of all the clutter and the noises and all the things and i managed to distill which was quite interesting it's a long time to distill i wish it was shorter yeah. but i realized hey i actually really like to lead people or hmm. or some part of coaching where i transform people's lives yeah and that's how i actually get certified myself in coaching which nice. was amazing right and now i'm doing actually side coaching on top of my job my day job very nice um as you look back again and i keep saying look back because you know you've had such a good uh, long career so what were one or two key challenges that you faced and then how did you overcome them I think uh for me uh number one would be how do I create the visibility because by creating that visibility um that helps me navigate um my career better mm -hmm. and it was challenging I, and I remember my first role in ExxonMobil um actually my first advice 
from my supervisor was, you need to be visible, Zalina. And I don't mm. understand that. At the age of 23, it's actually about people knowing you. People yeah. and uh, really your personal brand, I would say. It really is trying to get through um, difficult assignments, uh, volunteering, actually offering advice, offering help. Mm. I, I find my way of doing it is really offering my service, offering my value. So I thought it was more fun that way rather than the A type of, okay, I must do this, this, I must network with these people and I must create you know, the aura of visibility. I'm actually known for a few things. Number mm. one is I'm a connector. Right, mm. because of the way how I move in various different fields and industries, I seem to know a lot more people than average person. So mm. that's my value, really. And I know how to play the card. And and really, secondly, is uh, because I'm so into personal development and coaching. Um, people come to me for advice and mm. mentoring. So I do those helps. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we hear this word creating visibility, and even today, uh, and especially, I mean, all leaders get, uh, you know, have been told that okay, you need to be more visible, and I think especially uh, women, and um, and the you know the very gen- generic or very general response from women leaders is, oh, I don't like it. Like, it, it does it mean I have to be loud? Does it mean I have to be everywhere? Does it mean oh, I've got to speak up in meetings even though it, it's not relevant, right? So. And what you said, the answer is no, you don't have to. Um, the key thing that you said and which stood out for me was find what's your value, find what you are good at and use that to create visibility. In that way, you do what you do, uh, you know, and you feel good about it. You, you're authentic about it. And, um, and, you know, and then as a result of that, you create visibility. You have to be yourself. Because yeah. if you're not authentic, it's going to be tiring. It's important because if everyone is the same, if everyone follows that same mold, then we are not going to be memorable at all. Yeah. So the best thing is to be yourself and, and you know, bring that unique value. Really, at the end of the day, it's just integration and how do I integrate hmm. um, in all the different facets of my life, right? Whether hmm. it's career, whether it's work, whether even your personal. And yeah. It's very, very important for me to really define that. Yeah. What is it? What is good life looks like? One of my values is actually balance. Okay. And, and um, how do I then integrate and make it a bit more holistic? And, and really, you mentioned about uh, support and having the ecosystem. That is super, super important. Can't really overstress and, <laughs> um, and about that. But another one I would say is really be honest with yourself mm. what is important and what is not. Because uh, if we don't take the time out to reflect what's our biggest, biggest priority, I mean, if you, if you've, I'm sure if you, you've heard the analogy of the big rocks, small rocks, right? Yeah. What are our real, real big rocks? And then the rest are just sand and I can just fill yeah. up in between. So once... Um, my husband and I and our kids actually define what's important for us, what's our priority. And for us, we have our own priority even within our own career or our own you know, yeah, school life. How do we then delegate? You know, if something that is can be delegated, delegate it. Hmm. I mean, I'm, I, I can confess I don't cook well. I don't even want to pretend that I can cook. So 
let's just buy Grab, right? Forget about it. Yeah. So and prioritize it to such that okay, if you can buy services, and we are yeah. at the point that we're lucky that we can buy services, yeah. right? And not everyone can do it. So you have to define what is within your means. Yeah. My husband had cancer last year. I when I was the COO, so I, and that is another part when talk about asking help and finding balance, right? How do I actually manage this? It's already at the tip of hmm. craziness. And then and he had to go through chemo for six months. And it was very hard, right? Because people think that when you are successful, you can, you can do everything, right? Um, and the fact is, people don't know that you you are so... You have to ask support from the higher ups. <laughs> it's about surrendering, right? Like it's about ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Le- letting go of control. Yeah, letting go of control yeah, yeah. and surrendering. And that was the most beautiful part because after that, it was like the best lesson in my life. <laughs> I know it sounds weird because I'm talking about having cancer. And then, oh, but by the way, he, he, you know, he went through the whole chemo and it was like, it's hard, but it was the best time of our life. Can you imagine? Wow. I, How did you turn that into a best time of your life? Because I guess, okay, number one is uh, I managed to like work the, the whole thing, um, the whole schedule uh, to follow his chemo uh, treatment, right? But at the same time, I actually used the coaching. <laughs> this is where the coaching skill helps. Yeah. And actually, I coached him to... Um, come out of it, right? And, wow. and it was such a transformation for him uh, that I felt like, wow, this is like the best client I've ever had. <laughs> and it's not oh about, God. it was not about the result. It was about no. the journey, right? Journey. And, yeah. and the, the relationship that you have. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, which I'm going to share with you, because I really like the fact that you have, have the uh, question there, how do you define success? Yes. Um, that was a turning point. Like, it's not about the material thing, but it's really the, the spiritual and the groundedness of what matters to you in life. And that was a turning point for me. So, okay, but I need to like get rid of my... Because <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, a little bit... Oh, it's tough because I was handling the crisis uh, in my operations and we had a 6 months crisis, uh, which, you know, I cannot really... Sure. Uh, in, in, in operations, but uh, at that time, the people uh, needed me to be the the leader, right? But at the same time, I need to be okay at home, and I need to be okay personally to um to lead to two lead, different yeah. things. Yeah. One is be a caregiver. One is be the boss at, at work. And I didn't take a sabbatical at all, and that was interesting because. Um, that was my biggest lesson. If you can uh, continue your life as normal as you can, because the the routine and that helps center and ground you for. I would say, uh, really, really stretched me, but it really taught me how and what I can do. And that's wow. why when I got to this role, it was like, okay, no problem, I've done. The worst. Firstly, I want to really thank you um, for being so open. Seriously, like I mean, really trusting us uh, with um, you know with the 
with your journey and with the information that you shared so so much thank you so much so i know we are going a little bit more on the philosophy i mean the younger ones probably you know need the experience to get here but um but that's such a such a important point and that's why my leading question to you earlier was that how do you define success what i've learned um through the journey of being a caregiver uh, of my husband uh, when he had a when he had this cancer and the whole chemotherapy for six months last year when I was a COO, um, I think really is a realization that sometimes you cannot control. There's yeah. a lot of things that are outside of my control. Yeah. And it was such a humbling experience for me, really, really humbling in the sense that um, you can plan, but you can never really plan, plan. Um, right. and, and really taught me to surrender. And, and I think that is really good as a leader because sometimes, right, um, for me is when I had um, frustration with um, the team members. Yes, you have to be very objective about what um, what's needed to be done and what is needed to be achieved. But sometimes there are also a lot of factors outside your control. Yeah. And that can be many, many different forms. Um, Correct. I had to manage... Uh, COVID crisis two years yeah. ago uh, with almost, I would say, more than 500 people got infected wow. offshore and they had to demobilize. And and actually, there are, sadly, there are few people who passed away because of the situation. And yeah. as a leader, when you're in charge of that crisis, you really need to know what is controllable, what's not controllable, how do you manage the emotion, how do you manage the crisis. Um, yeah such a valuable experience for me and when it comes to about finding the balance not really finding balance at that point but really knowing what matters and goes back to my um, first definition of prioritize and what's the most what's that big rock because if not in a crisis if you don't know what's important then everything is just going to crumble and you're just going to lost it right Uh, and for me it was very important to define at that point if it's certain crisis, what is the most important that we need to get out of? Yeah. Um, and, and that helps a lot. Um, and, and talking about, you know, the, the whole chemo journey for me was the best because I know it sounds weird. It, it sounds weird coming out of a very difficult, challenging moment, but it was the best because we really are clear about what we value, what's important yeah. in life. And, and and really ask ourselves, oh, okay, we have to change our lifestyle. Um, yeah. We have to, uh, you know, be human. And and we can't be working to the yeah. point of health uh, detriment, right? So, so okay. Say, okay. Uh, and take that step back. And now, um, I every day, without fail, um, I said what's important for me every morning is okay, I have to set intention. I have to clear my mind. And the good thing that came out from that whole saga last year, the whole experience was I learned a lot of uh, mindfulness technique in all this balancing stress, managing stress. Uh, I I got certified in Qigong because Uh (laughs) it was very important for both the patient and the caregiver. One thing that I think as a leader that is hard when you have all these challenging issues is to be honest yeah. to your team. And I was honest. I mean, I think there's nothing uh, to hold back. So I told my, my team that, okay, this is my situation. I have to go off for work, from work. And um, 
they did amazingly. This is when your team members really surprise you, enlighten yeah. you in so many ways. And my team, all my heads, um, they were so cooperative. They were so understanding. Uh, my board members were understanding. My boss was understanding. And they actually helped give me the space when I needed. I did not take any sabbatical whatsoever. I still managed the crisis at work while managing the crisis at home. And uh, coming out of that, I think a bit more grounded, I would say. Very good. Yeah. As we about to wrap up our conversation, if you were to give one advice to the young emerging women leaders in Asia specifically, what would that be? If there's like one solid advice, what would that be? That's a good question. I would actually learn how to embrace uh, myself. And, you know, you should learn how to embrace yourself. Yeah. And, and really, that can mean, that really can mean pushing boundaries. That can really mean understanding your strength um, and make the full use of it. Uh, don't follow other people's footsteps or mold. And because for me, it's important that no one defines your life. Like you define your life. And and define definition can be in many different ways and forms. So embrace yourself. Yeah. Really, really be okay with it. And then from there, um, reflect on what really matters to you and what really matters to to. Uh, your career because uh, there is no such thing as one linear career journey. Enjoy it because yeah. um, what's life if you don't enjoy, right? That's right. Great. What, what you know, pearls of wisdom there. Um, as we're wrapping up, so I would like to summarize our conversation, this beautiful conversation. You know, my key takeaways from that, one thing was what you said in the beginning was just ask. Just ask for it, you know, ask for what's, what you're worth, ask and know your value and ask for it. So I like that word, just ask. The other thing I, I personally loved is this whole family offsite, coming together as a family, deciding your values, deciding what's important for you this year and how everybody kind of works around that. And the third piece was um, about integration. You know, it's no more about just the balance. It's about integration because few things are going to go off balance certain periods. But how do you integrate all of them in the all of them in this big system called life? So thank you so much, Zelina. It was such a joy speaking with you. And thanks for being so open and vulnerable. Really appreciate that. Thank you, Ritu. I really enjoy our chat. Thank you so much for staying with us till the end. If you enjoyed today's discussion, please take a moment to subscribe to the show, rate us five stars and leave a review. It would help others find the show. And that means a lot to us. Thank you for joining us today. This was Ritu with Rewriting the Rules podcast. See you next time.